Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. A lot can happen in the next 3 years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I leaned on the accelerator as the road straightened out some, but I could still see every now and then people, or whatever they were, chasing not far behind. The extra gas eventually made a difference, though, and pretty soon I was a ways out in front of them. In my panic to get away, I'd taken the wrong fork coming out of one of the turns and now had to backtrack a bit to find the main drag. That meant slowing down, and sorting out which direction I needed to head. I decided to kill the lights and navigate using my fairly considerable night sight. A strong breeze was blowing through, so the engine noise wouldn't be too bad, I hoped. The biggest problem was me, of course. The chase, the the old man thing leaping at us, it was all out of a dream. A nightmare. I began to feel adrift, uh, out of it. <sighs> I wondered if the man-child in the back seat was a plant. Someone sent to distract me or even take me out. <sighs> what if this whole thing had been a put-on? What if my brother set me up? Somehow he, he knew I'd want to take the trip alone. Probably because he's my brother and would be able to predict my decisions and maybe... No, I had to stop. I was snowballing, losing control. I needed to pull it together fast. The pill I popped was a nickel short and a day late, but it was all I had. I couldn't repress the feeling that the guy behind me was smirking, just waiting to pounce. But as far as my steadier senses were concerned, he hadn't moved an inch, still in shock, still missing an arm. The car slowed to a halt as I paused to get my bearings. For all I knew, I could have been driving in a circle. Badly needing some fresh air, I rolled the window down and took a deep breath and held it while listening carefully to my surroundings. I knew better than to talk to the guy behind me. I'd more than likely get some cryptic reply or another. 
I made out a small collection of taller buildings, not more than a few blocks to my left, which I took for the town's center. They likely sat right on the main road that led in and out of Gunther. Something smashed into the side of the car, lifting it up off the street. Luckily, I had the window down or my head would have smashed right through it, like the poor amputee sitting in the back seat. After the car settled back on all four wheels, I looked for what hit us. The echo of the impact haunted the air. Hanging out his broken window, unconscious, I caught a glimpse of my passenger getting yanked through it and upward out of sight. Twisting in my seat, I saw only the tips of his shoes and a few shards of broken glass pinwheeling within the updraft. I stomped the accelerator as hard as I could, but nothing happened. The back end of the car was being lifted off the ground. Friggin' rear-wheel drive. Pinnacle of technology, my ass. I didn't even bother to see what was doing the lifting. I just opened the door and leapt out. The night breeze, the lines of dead houses, the chase. It was putting me under the sway of my imagination. The world liquefying, my mind drowning in dream as I ran away in a crazy quilt of directions. Behind houses, through breaks and brambles, between the corpses of long dead cars. I finally arrived at the rear of a large house, the entrance rotted wide open. The darkness inviting me in to take a rest, sit for a spell. Whatever was chasing me, one of them landed on the sagging roof before I could enter. Moonlight leaping from its eyes despite the jet black sky, drool seeping down from its mouth. It looked like a wild man, hairy, naked, feral, heavily muscled. But its eyes were white and dead, its hands and feet brandishing wicked claws. It was time I bared my own teeth. My eyes burned like foxfire, a cold blue light that spread through the darkness. My left hand went to my Balak, and the dream, the molten nightmare, was fully upon me. Still, I didn't want to commit to killing. I had no idea what these things were. As the creatures retreated from the bloom of chilling light, I dashed through the decomposing entrance. Perhaps, after my display, they might think twice before following me into the enclosed darkness. Nothing softened a thing more than the touch of rot, and I could feel the flesh of the world sloughing away. The resulting dream was tainted by anxiety and fear, my paranoia snapping over my mind like a steel trap. I... I began to feel, I, I began to know that I was in the middle of a huge conspiracy. The sleep lab, my brother, this, uh, this new mission, all of it was an elaborate setup. Or maybe I was already dead. My life as a dream catcher just a lie I'd been telling myself since dying. To spare myself the awful truth of eternal loneliness and despair. <laughs> The worst part? I was somewhat cognizant of my breaking down, a sliver of painful awareness, like a goldfish watching the water slowly drain from its bowl. 
I bit down on my fist where it crushed against my lips, my body shaking as my mind slipped away. The pain and taste of bitter copper brought me out of the depths for a second, just long enough to realize that I was fine. And nothing had followed me inside, nothing I'd be forced to kill. I swallowed my delusions as deeply as I could, their convulsions and extrusions catching painfully on their way down. I let the calm and darkness into my thoughts and listened to the silence flirt with the breeze. There was nothing, no feral monstrosities forcing their way into the decaying hallway. I removed my hand from the hilt of my Balik and snuck back outside, mindful of monsters. A train of mangled corpses fell beneath the sapphire glow of my eyes. They were torn apart, about five of them, like red papier-mâché dolls, entrails thrown high into the nearby branches, dangling and looped like glistening lengths of bloody garland. There was something else, too. Something that certainly had no place among all the mutilation. The overpowering smell of sweets. Cotton candy and peppermint. And weirdest of all, my mouth was swimming in the taste of sugar and honey. The saccharine overload momentarily drowned out all my other senses. A sound jerked me back into the moment. Whistling. A tune from that pre-Noctum movie, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The Candyman. The notes grew distant, fading with the swishing sound of footsteps through the leaves. Our tale, Garrett Lansmore flagged a taxi from the airport and headed straight for Nighthead. I hung back to stay off his radar, but not too far. There were a thousand places inside the city he could have been headed. It was a short drive from the airport to Nighthead, and the place looked as sinister as ever. If New Victoria was the uh, reigning champ of haunted cities, Nighthead was on the short list of runners-up. The main difference between the two was that Nighthead's urban planners had designed it to look like it did, while New Vic, well, it sort of became what it became through outside influences. Still, the city of Pitch, as Nighthead was sometimes called, looked carved from frozen darkness, which was the idea, no doubt. Habitable obelisks rose into the darkness as if trying to shoulder the sky. Giant gothic statues containing hundreds of apartments dotted the landscape. And then there were the Obscura. Most cities tore down their relics of the Great Darkness, at least those they could afford to disassemble and place out of bounds. But not Nighthead. It extolled the virtues of the darkness, holding it in highest regard, the toys of the devil left lying around after his year-long holiday above ground. Nothing was removed or hidden. All were highlighted, placed on pedestals, shielded in strongest glass, marched around Grimner Square when the Black Holiday of Dead Mass was celebrated. That the city itself was a monument to the Great Darkness uh, wasn't much of a secret, and its citizens were more than happy to say as much to whomever would listen. 
I've been to the place more than my fair share, for several reasons. While I love the spooky vibe of the place, there was also a sort of pull to its shadier lanes and back alleys. If you let it get its claws into you, well, let me put it this way. Nighthead was a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. Garrett hopped out of his cab just outside of Grimner Square, on account of the sea of people mobbing the place. Many of them had set up little tents to spend the night in, all of them trying to elbow their way closer to the dais at the center, hoping to get front row seats for tomorrow night's lecture on nocturnalism. Back in the day, only rock stars and movie openings received that kind of treatment. But the anti-celebrity laws saw an end to all that. So I guess it was up to religion and fanaticism to fill in the gaps. Apparently, the stage at the center of the square had been rented out for those who wanted to pontificate and yammer on about their pet paradigm, knowing, of course, that they'd have a captive audience leading up to the big speech. I received an earful about why the Noctopolis was the superior model of the traditional city. That was the new buzzword for a city operating on a nocturnal cycle. Those nocturnes were pretty savvy. They knew having an exclusive lexicon lent legitimacy to their religion. Anyway, renting out the space likely netted the city a pretty big payday. Nighthead always did know how to turn a profit. It wasn't long before Garrett ducked into a nearby alleyway, moving through the dark of the city with more confidence than an occasional visitor. Maybe Marrows and Nighthead were closer than the space between them would imply. He made straight for the District of Idols, where some of the more statuesque obscura glowered and loomed. The place was a notorious haunt for the worst kinds of nightheaders, the truest believers, I guess you could say. The ones who had perfected rather than merely practiced human sacrifice and blood rituals. I recalled reading about a mass murder that involved the gruesome placement of a sewn-together suit of human skin. The patchwork thing had been fitted around one of the statues here in the district, something that looked like a gigantic skinned humanoid. According to the forensics analyst, the skin suit partook of dozens of human hides. Pondering the logistics of such madness, I rounded a huge obsidian statue in the shape of a worm-looking thing with a human face, and ran straight into something only slightly less sturdy than the statue. Where you headed? A gigantic man in a long coat and wide-brimmed hat blocked my path. I took a step back and bumped into his equally large companion. (sighs) I'm uh, in town for the speech. Why? Is it a crime to look around? What's in the briefcase? My belongings. Why don't you open it up and let us take a look? Because then I'd have to kill you. I didn't move, only fixed the giant with a cold stare. His small eyes were hard to find under that hat of his, but they widened appreciably at my words. I don't have all night, so make your play if you're gonna. By the Goliath's expression, I already knew where this was going. Tipping my hat, I walked past them, 
Have a nice night, fellas. I got lucky with the two meatheads, but I lost Garrett. If I didn't get eyes on him in the next few seconds, I'd have to head back to the blimp. Couldn't take a chance on him making me while I wandered around trying to pick up his trail. Finding the darkest alley I could, I combed the area I'd last seen him, near a nondescript building a few doors down. As it turned out, my luck hadn't quite abandoned me. I caught Garrett's silhouette through one of the windows. He stood in a small room, a bare bulb burning dim and almost orange above his head. His lips were moving, but I couldn't make out what he was saying or who he was saying it to. If not for Romy, I'd have gone in and asked some pretty tough questions. The kind you only needed to ask once. But she would know what I'd done when Garrett didn't turn back up. I fully expected to disappoint my sister, just not so soon. There had to be another way to handle this. After his little meeting, Garrett took off as before, making his way down streets and through alleys. He collapsed like a bag of nickels, thanks to a rock to the back of his head. I pilfered his belongings, glad I'd let him find his wallet after the last time I'd taken it from him. I then placed him in a nice, dark little corner to let him come to in his own time. He'd wake up with a bad headache and assume he'd been robbed. As for me, I needed to know who he was talking to, and I was willing to bet the currency card in his wallet that I'd have enough time to find out and be back on the Zeppelin before Sleeping Beauty woke up. Snooping the front of the building Garrett had left, it appeared nothing more than an old abandoned shop front. Looked like it had been out of commission for quite a while. As far as I could tell from the tracks and the dirt and whatnot around the door, no one else had left the place. So I was betting his contact was still inside. My hand went to the suppressed Beretta 21 in my breast pocket. Best to keep the briefcase closed, unless I really needed them. Either way, whoever was inside likely wouldn't get the same treatment as Garrett. Romy had no idea this person even existed, and so would never miss them. I cracked the door open without so much as a squeak peeked inside. The hanging light bulb's dirty glow showed a big, empty room with nowhere to hide. And indeed, no one was. I couldn't figure how the contact had slipped me. Then I noticed the hole in the floor, tucked into the far corner, exactly where Garrett had been facing. I snuck across the room and knelt next to the hole. I couldn't explain it, but... I felt like I was about to stick my head into a lion's mouth. A cold draft wafted upward from the void, as if from an open freezer. My hand left the Beretta and reached for the clasps of my briefcase. Before I could open it, the bulb over my head went out, and laughter floated on the icy air. <laughs> The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone, and the Sleep-Wake Cycle theme song was written and performed by Sean Zeller. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Maltopia. 
That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about the world of the sleep-wake cycle and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Meltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. For more information about the sleep-wake cycle and the larger world of Meltopia, head over to Meltopia.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 